Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umar Rusanda Amadu. Tonight I'm here with... Akusia Ochre. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, Vice President Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia gets overwhelming endorsement from NPP MPs after meeting them to mood the idea of running for flag bearership of the party. We'll hear from some of the MPs. Also, Canada Ghana Statistical Service says 1.7 million people are currently unemployed in the country. That settles a debate on job creation, or does it not? We have the debate here on Eyewitness News. And later, customers of defunct Gold Coast Fund Management Limited continue with protests over the non-payment of monies due them. There would also be business and the latest headlines. Non-traditional exports increased by 6% in 2022. This is according to the Ghana Export Promotion Authority. That's Natalie Nete from the business desk. We'll be back in 15 minutes with details of uh, the world's latest news in terms of business. Eyewitness News is coming to you from number 11, Dr. Martin Lupin at Abraka in Accra. We are live on citynewsroom.com, on YouTube, on Facebook, and across the globe uh, via our website. We are also on a number of affiliate stations across the country. You can send us your messages 0549-986-996, Do send your messages and I'll read them for you here on Eyewitness News. Start off with the campaign trail. And uh, you do know that in the new patriotic party, Nana Duranko Akufado cannot represent the party in the elections of 2024, which means there's a need for a replacement. Now, a number of people are interested in that particular job. His uh, Minister for Trade, Alan Kodjo Tremanti, has resigned, wanting to be the flag bearer. His Greek Minister, Dr. Efrio uh, Koto, has also resigned, wanting that same job. Former General Secretary, Kobner Japon, wants that job. Asin Central MP, Kenny Japon, wants that job. Francis Adai Nimo, former MP, wants that job. Esikado Ketan MP, Jogati, is looking for that job. Dr. Kofi Konedo Apreku, former minister in the Kufor government, is looking for that job. Ambuachi Jaku, who served as Minister for Energy for uh, Nana Dodanko Kufado, is also angling for that particular position. One of them, again, who is looking for that job is the Vice President, Dr. Mahmoud Obaomi. At least that's what we have been hearing so far, even though he has not publicly declared. But last night, there was a meeting that he held with NPP members of Parliament in Accra, and we had, he mooted this idea to them. Let's speak to one of the NPP members of Parliament who was at that meeting, uh, the Honorable Farouk Aliu Mahama is MP for Iyendi and Chairman of the Muslim Caucus of Parliament. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Good evening, my lovely brother. It's been a while. It's been a while indeed. I'm your uncle, not your brother. You know that. Sorry, my grandfather and uncle. I'm, 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 I'm apologies. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have dragged you to Gulu so that we can go and have a discussion there. I'm sorry, my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Very well. Thank you so much. Um. We were told you had a meeting yesterday with the Vice President of the land. Please confirm for us and who and who had that meeting. First of all, thank you and good evening to your listeners and the people of Ghana. <coughs> I think yesterday was a memorable day, starting a day from the fact that all MPs were called for an emergency meeting to, to call to uh, pass certain bills which were very of importance to government. And uh, we all did that from the both political divide, both NDC and NPP were there. We went through the day and ended the day at almost 5 p.m. And our leadership, uh, the chairman and the chief whip, and the leadership called us to a meeting first that we, our hard-working and former general secretary, Komnei Japon, initially wanted to meet us, which we all were present at the caucus meeting. And he met us and told us his, his intention. We started with uh, Komnei Japon to talk to us and also expel his uh, intentions to us and let us understand where he's coming from and what he wants to lead the party to. After that meeting, we were privileged to have the invitation to also partake in the meeting with the Vice President of the land, Al-Haji Dr. Mahmoud Baumia. And we were really uh, happy to hear from 
him coming to meet us. And I can confirm to you that we had a good meeting, a great meeting yesterday, with the attendance of all members of the caucus. And the vice president came in attendance to speak to us and to let us understand his intent and giving us the respect as the major stakeholders, as members of parliament in our various constituencies. It was imperative for him to come and speak to us and let us understand that he is starting to seek the, the, the blessing from we, the members of parliament. And it's now a public knowledge that the vice president is coming. So two candidates met you. Are those the only two candidates who met you so far as MPs in the caucus? Yeah, yesterday we had a privilege of meeting Kobe Japan, and after the vice president, you know, we are we are not in parliament. We are on break and recess. And yesterday, because of the emergency of certain bills which were passed, I think they they made a request, and the leadership used that as an occasion to let us make sure we are able to meet them because we are not back until 30th of May. So we met two presidents. I hope that. Uh, now, they want your blessing. Which of them have you blessed personally? Um, all of them are parties, the stakeholders in the party, as to the names you've mentioned. <clears throat> and as, as, as the party, if you recall, in 2007, uh, the, my late father contested with 17 contestants. And this time, the, the scenario has changed. We have almost like seven to eight, and obviously everybody is, is um, coming, and we have to do what we call the special delegates congress. But uh, for me and myself, the majority of the members of parliament, and it's, it's a public knowledge, we the most of the majority MPs in parliament. For the vice president, it's a fact that we are bold enough to say that we want Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya to continue and take Ghana to the promised land and strategically unite the party after the election. And yesterday's meeting ex- um, uh, made us to last members of parliament that challenged Mahmoud Bamiya, even though we are yet to meet other uh, presidential hopefuls. But it was clear, and the signal was clear, and the enthusiasm was clear in the room. And when everybody uh, had his efforts in bringing the party it was something that was unanimous and it's clear. We are not saying all MPs are supportive, but at least 100 plus MPs are with Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya. 100 out of the 137, 100 plus. But you don't plus, have a yeah. figure, do you? A specific it's 100 figure. something plus, yes. But uh, we have the majority. The majority we are talking about here. I see. Did you have to pledge to him or everybody was just supposed to decide what they wanted? He didn't, he didn't come to, to, to seek uh, the open support from us. What I think he did was to initially come and as the party uh, opened the nomination on the 26th, it's proper for him to come and inform us from we the empties before he engaged the stakeholder and come out officially. But yesterday, you could read the the, 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 the the demeanors of most of the MPs. And it's not something, my brother, that is hidden. It is real. It, it was shown to him. He saw it. He was happy. The MPs were there. And the numbers were encouraging. And it was clear that the DMB and the BMW vehicle we are going to use to break the eight is something that is, is on, on, on the German machine is ready to move. Why must BMW? You said why must what? Why must Baumia win? Bamiya must win because he's willing to continue to bring hope and a new direction into the country. He's done a lot with the president, and we believe that Dr. Mahmoud Bamiya, having been a vice president for a while and understand um, all the challenges in the country and still working hard to continue with the challenges and having shown a lot of innovations into the country, bringing digitalization into bear, making sure that the Ghana is placed within some map and making sure that everybody appreciates the innovations he has come within the vice president, the innovations he's brought. And we believe that he's well best placed to become the, the leader of the party. He's somebody who's a humble person, a listening person, somebody who unites and brings everybody on board because we need the support of all the important stakeholders like um, Honorable, uh, what's the name, Kennedy of Japan, who need the support of, um, what's the name, our brother and our senior man, uh, Alan Chamante. And he's somebody that will unite the party to us to win the victory. And inshallah, the wind is blowing and we know that Baumia is somebody that we are all looking up to. And inshallah, we know that he would make Ghana great, inshallah. Is the economy not going to be a problem for him, considering the situation we are in currently and remembering the things he said prior to election 2016? 
Um, the economy is something that is being passed by as a politician and as a leader, as a head of the economic management team, you shouldn't shy away from every challenge. It doesn't mean that all successive government has had it well. It means that if you are in a, a position and you find yourself in, in a situation where everybody knows today I was speaking to somebody in London, even London, there's a demonstration in London. All is not well in other countries. So therefore, what we are going through in Ghana is not something that is new. And we believe that the vice president is somebody who is not running away with the president of the challenges they are facing. And inshallah, that is how come we are placing ourselves. This is not the first time the MPP has gone or taken uh, IMF and taken our rules, taken IMF from the NDC when the President John Mama was there. And we've done it before. And we believe that before we, the Vice President and the President have a year or two to go. And obviously, we would show signs of recovery, make sure that the, the trust of the people, the economy is bounced back, the dollar and the importation and other stuff of the demands of the people of Ghana would be would be appreciated by the end of at least 2023 going to 2024. You do not agree that if the economy fails to be fixed by Nana Kwakufado, it would affect his candidate, I mean the vice president? No, I mean, the president is working in tandem with the vice president, obviously, and I believe the president is somebody who has the can-do spirit. The fact that Ghana is going to IMF doesn't mean that that is the end of all. We know that the president and his team are working hard, making sure they, 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 they get options. Just two days ago, the president had a meeting with um, the, the, the Japanese um Prime Minister, and all efforts are being made. And I know the IMF deal is going to be closed. And the fact that we are going to IMF doesn't mean that we have not performed. Obviously, there will be measures put in place and we will bounce back and the economy will bounce back. And inshallah, before 2024, Ghanaians will know that the party that went through this turmoil is back and having run away from its responsibilities is poised to make sure that we put the economy on the track so that Ghanaians will believe and that. The, the, the sufferings of Ghanaians and the expectations of the youth and all and sundry in, in Ghana would appreciate the effort of the president and the, and the government of the new patriotic party. The candidate you are supporting, uh, he was introduced in 2007 2008. Um, a lot of people at the time said, Who is this guy? He has done a lot of work over the past uh, 15 years since he was made running mate to Nana Dankakufado. But your party is also always accused of. Um, dealing with people who are party members, quote-unquote, and that the general question in MPP is that, Ufrihi, who is your father? Who is your grandfather? <laughs> you, for instance, we know your roots. Um, do you not think that that matter may come up and party delegates may not go for him? And again, there's even a comment that, would MPP really hand over the, the, the flag to a northerner? How are you going to negotiate uh, through that? There's nothing called negotiation. MPP is a party which was formed on the basis of the Dankwa Dombo Buzia tradition. And obviously, uh, the party is a party that is believes in competition. We're not running away from the fact. But the issue is that how can you talk about somebody who has been a vice president and has been nominated three times running, has uh, the name Baumia is something that is well known in this country, and it's a party man, he, he, he went through the test to qualify himself to become a vice president, and has brought votes to the party and supported the president to win elections. On what basis would you have a pre-qualification to know who is a party man and who is not a party man? I think Dr. Baumia is well-placed, well-marketed, well-accepted, both the divide of everything, and these people are there. If you look at what has happened, every time they are talking, it's only about it tells you that there's something shining star on this market. And I believe that the delegates know the hardworking Baumia, what he's done for the party, what he's done for the party. Hardwork. He never ran away from his responsibilities. When the times were hard, he was with us. When we were going to court, it was based on his assessment of the, the, the loopholes in the verification of the data at the courts. That made us to know that indeed Baumia had exposed certain electoral uh, fortunes, which gave the MPP the opportunity to come to power in 2020. So obviously, Baumia is not somebody that you can write off. Baumia something that is a brand name, his marketability, acceptability, and also to be able to have the support of the grass. And I can tell you, my, my, oh my son, that Dr. Baumia is going to win. Uh, we're going to start with um, with um, um, special delegates. And I know that Dr. Baumia, 80 to 90% of the votes will go on to win at least 70 to 80% of the total votes in the 
uh, November 4th election. And you can count on that. MPP will send a message. My late father, the late vice president of the Republic of Ghana, Elijah Ali Muhammad, may so rest in peace, tried his bid to become a, a president of this country. He couldn't make it. And I believe that his soul and his spirit is going to be behind Baumia. And inshallah, the Ghanaian people, with the grace of the almighty, uh, MPP is a party that has no a division party that accepts everybody, a Sardana, a Nordana, and a Khan, and Ewe. It gives us a, to the way for the future that, indeed, whoever or wherever you come from doesn't matter. But when you are competent, you are accepted by the party, and the party will be able to grow you in the future. It's, and it's, that should be the, the, the trump card. It's good you reference the, the, the various groupings and say that he will be acceptable to all. But what about the religious card? How do you intend to deal with that? You are the chairman of the Muslim caucus in parliament. How are you going to deal with... There's nothing called religion. When I was in, when I was in Premier College, I was going to the morning devotion and the evening devotion. I was I was, was a Methodist school. And I believe Dr. Baumia is accepted. When you look at the researches that have been predicted, Ghanaians are of age to not to use uh, religion to be a determinant who becomes inshallah. And we know that both the Christian and the Muslim are all the same. The vice president goes to the Christian prayers, he goes to the Muslim prayers. Today he was at the Pentecostal church for a program. And I can tell you that it's high time Ghanaians are not going to depend on the Christian or Muslim. What matters is who is going to turn Ghana and make sure that Ghana is on the right track and continue with the work that our president, Nanado Dankwakufado, has done for this country and is yet to do more before he hands over. And I believe that religion shouldn't be something that should be a determination or a determinant or whoever should be a president, whether it's a Christian or we are one. A Christian is a Muslim and a Muslim is a Christian. Kennedy J. Paul MP for Asin Central wants to be flag bearer of the MPP. Uh, Jogate MP for Esikado Keten wants to be flag bearer of the MPP. Those are your colleagues. The former member of parliament uh, uh, for Mampon, Francis Adainimo, is also interested in this particular position. Dr. Akotoe Free was MP. He's interested in that particular position. Why, as MPs, are you not going for one of your own, but rather choosing someone from the executive? I can tell you, MPP is always a party that produces the best, the best. And I tell you that all these names you've mentioned, Kennedy Japan is a fantastic uh, businessman who has supported the party for the long-standing relationship. That's a good relationship. I have a personal relationship with Kennedy Japan. He's like a, a good friend to me, and he's been supportive of me in so many times. But these are issues that we want to look at and say that, yes, we know that they are MPs, our colleagues, but we want to place Ghana and place MPP uh, because 2024 is going to be a tough battle. Jogate is a very renowned and uh, astute lawyer, very intelligent, the same as other lawyer MPs. But, uh, hey, we want to make sure we break the because John Mama is coming, and we need Baumia to, to, to end the, the, the political career of the, uh, of the former president, John Mama, come 2024. Do you not worry that cracks may arise at the end of your Congress? Uh, MPP is a party that is always we believe in competition. Cracks will be made. That is how come it's important and imperative for all and sundry to be able to abide by the code of ethics and make sure that we don't step on each other. We give respect to Alan Chamartin's team. We give respect to all other people because they are all people who have numbers. Uh, Japan accept everybody. And I believe the vice president has the temperament and the demeanor to be able to accept all and sundry, and we will we will have a reconciliatory uh, mood so that we position ourselves to be in power. As the president before said, it's better to be in opposition. A messenger in power is better than somebody who would, and we don't want to be somebody that we would want to have issues and let it affect us. We, are, Dr. Bamer is coming like Akai, and I can tell you that the Tinubu of, uh, of of Ghana is going to be Bamer, and we're going to break it like we did in Nigeria. I see. What percentage are you hoping or, or based on your projections are no you going to win the primary? I know that Dr. Bama will win with 80% of the votes. 80%? Uh, he's going against someone who has run for this office thrice, at least, I think. The game has changed. The game has changed. He's going towards Bama. He said Adrian Isuo. It has reached it is his 10, uh, Alan Chermanti, I mean. Oh, yes. I mean, that is his belief, but the end will justify the means. What if you go and then it, it becomes an Alan thing? Because we saw the Alan walk this weekend. Does that not shake you? Some, a number of your colleagues in parliament were there, including Deputy How Finance many Minister. Of were there? How many members of parliament? Oh, I've seen the Deputy Finance Minister, and that's a How big many? deal. Honorable Abnor Sassari. How, uh, many? How, many? How, many? How many? I want you to be specific. We are, we are one ten, we are I, ha one ten I have seen the Empire Member of Parliament. They are not up to 10. Mention 10. So you are not scared at all? No, 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 no. The work doesn't scare us at all. 
we are, we are, we are focused on the delegates, the, those who are going to be on the grassroots, and those who are, are going to be the, the target people. We are, we are not really worried about what. What is important is to be on the ground. The vice president launches his campaign. We kickstart the campaign in humility and in humility, with respect for one another. And I know the vice president is someone who is not going to allow anybody to undermine any presidential candidate. And we, we should be circumspecting whatever we say. And together, we shall break the eight. But considering that he's chairman of the economic committee um, of the government, and you have a deputy finance minister supporting another candidate, do you not think that that would mean... I can comment for my sister, I'm commenting for myself as Farouk Ali Mama and other MPs in support of Dr. Mahmoud Baumia, the BMW engine that is moving us to Germany. You asked me <laughs> to Germany. <laughs> You've asked me That's to mention they produce the BMW. That's fine. You, you asked me to mention ten of the MPs who supported Al. I don't know. Do you want to mention some of your colleagues who have openly declared support for him, who are willing to have their names publicized as supporters of but Dr. Baumia? Look at what is going on. Even just three days ago, some more about it. Just check what is happening on the airwaves. Look at I'm not on prayer. Uh, we don't... Look, my brother, do your investigation work. For now, what I know is that Dr. Baumia has the number. We are not looking at the MP as a number. The grassroots, that is the number. Beneath MP... Uh, constituency executive, that should be our target. We are not wooed or, 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 or swayed by the numbers of the members of parliament. That shouldn't be our, 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 our strength. We should rather work hard and we have the strength on, on the ground. And inshallah, we're waiting for the vice president public declaration. And inshallah, 26, we will send a signal to the country. Thank you so much for speaking to us. Yes. That's Honorable Farouk Aliou Mahama, member of parliament for Yendi and chairman of the Muslim Caucus. Of Parliament. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Talking about Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia, he's been out and about today, hasn't he? Akosia. Yes, he has. The Vice President, Dr. Mahmoudou Baumia, says government has completed the processes to digitize the operations of local taxi cabs. This would enable ordinary taxi cabs to operate on ride-hailing platforms to help them compete in the ever-changing digital environment. The Vice President was speaking at the 48th session of the General Council meeting on the Church of Pentecost said, this is in response to concerns about ride-hailing apps taking over businesses. Almost a year ago, taxi drivers came to see me in my office and one of their major problems that they presented to me and my team, they said, look, our, businesses, our business is collapsing. I said, what is the problem? He said, now we have Uber, and many people are not taking taxis as before. You know, people want to feel safer, and for other reasons, so they would rather call Uber and bring us. So uh, Uber is taking our business, so how can you help us? So we sat down with my team and said, okay, how do we help our taxi drivers compete with the Uber driver so that they can also be like Uber. So we set the team to work and I'm happy to say that that work has now been completed. And in the next couple of months, we will be able to place our taxis, at least in Greater Accra, to start with, all on an Uber-like platform. That was voice of Vice President Dr. Mahamadou Baumia. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Now, data from the Ghana Statistical Service indicates that about 1.7 million persons were unemployed in the third quarter of 2022. It further noted that out of uh, two out of every three unemployed persons were female. Speaking at the launch of the 2022 third quarter labor statistics report, the government statistician Professor Samuel Kobnainim urged government and other stakeholders to work towards creating uh, policies and initiatives to tackle unemployment. Throughout the three quarters of 2022, consistently we have found about 11 million of our population employed. Throughout the, the three quarters of 2022, consistently we found about 1.73, 1.76 of our population that are unemployed. 
And from the perspective of those outside the labor force, we found about 5.87 to 6.51, ranging between these two figures over time. So this is the statistics that we all know. And let's carefully keep that in mind, because we are talking about 11 million people that across the three quarters, at any point in time, we find that they are employed. About 1.73 to 1.76 people that consistently we find them as not employed over the three quarters. Now we change the narrative to vulnerable employment. The definition for vulnerable employment is simply, are you self-employed without employees? Are you a contributing family worker? And as I in indicated, the figure is still hovering around two out of every three persons that are employed being in vulnerable employment. We see this skewed towards females, and it's skewed towards females to the extent that we find about a 21 percentage point between males and females. So although we are talking about 11 million of our population that at any point in time they are employed, those who are working by themselves own account workers, and those who are contributing family workers, largely they do not have any forms of contract binding what they do. It's about two-thirds of that. Then we find female dominating among those who are vulnerably employed with a percentage point difference of about 21%. So this is the headline figure that we've always worked with when we come to unemployment whether it's 13.4, 13.7, 13.9. And as I indicated, we are always concerned about this figure. We didn't deviate from what we know from the census in terms of what our unemployment rate is. During the 2021 population and housing census, we got an unemployment rate of 13.4. And throughout the three quarters that we followed the same households, we still have figures in the region of 13.4 and 13.9, depicting the unemployment rate that we have in Ghana. Consistent with our censuses and our surveys, we've seen this as predominantly an urban phenomenon. In the, in the first quarter of 2022, those who were unemployed in the third quarter, about two-thirds of them were in vulnerable employment. And this goes back to emphasize the point that is the characteristics of what they do, that is what we need to pay emphasis on rather than the rate. So those who are unemployed in the third quarter, go back to the first quarter, find out what they are doing, and what they were doing in the, in, the, in the first quarter were activities that we characterize as vulnerable employment. Specifically those who are in non-agrave self-employed without employees, about a third of it. Agricultural contributing worker, about 17% of that. That alone is taking about 50% of those who were employed in the first quarter but were doing vulnerable work. And for that reason, in the third quarter, they became unemployed. Another thing that we want to change the narrative on is our youth that are not doing the three things that we expect them to do. We expect our youth to either be in school, education, to either education, training, or employment. And about the faith of our youth are not doing any of these. 15 to 35 years, they are not in employment, they are not in education, and they are not in training. We call it the needs. Not in education, not in um, employment, and not in training. What we see is that we see a lot more people moving out of the industry sector. Specifically, we see about 96,939 persons moving from the industry sector to the agricultural sector. And we also see another 120,018 people moving from the industry sector to the agriculture sector. If you put these two figures together, you have in excess 216,000 people that are moving out of the industry sector to either the agricultural sector or the services sector. The reverse is not the case of people moving from the services sector to either industry or agric, and from agric to either industry or services. That was government statistician Professor Samuel Kobnaini. So he has uh, announced a number of numbers and figures and percentages there. Let's try and make sense of them. Uh, let's speak to a labor economist, Professor Bob Watin with the University of Ghana Economics Department. Prof, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Maru. 
So he has said a number of things. Uh, the one that jumps at me, vulnerable workers and so on. But again, the figure that 1.7 million people are the only unemployed in the country, it sounds a bit funny to me. Is that really the figure that we should be working with? Or there's some interpretation to the data that would be clarified if, if you explain things to us? Okay. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know whether the funny means that it is too low or too high. Yeah, so I find the 1.7 too low. And so I'm seeking for education from you on how we interpret this. So Ghana's population is 30 million. The people who can be employed, we have a certain figure we are working with. He mentions 11 million are employed in various forms. But 1.7 unemployed. Um, because unemployment is a big political issue in town. So I was trying to see if you can help me settle the matters. Yes. Oh, thank you very much. So the 1.7 million, uh, 1.7 million people uh, who are supposed to be unemployed in the third quarter of 2022 is accurate. It is accurate because if you take 1.7 million, now if you look at a class force stadium, it takes about 40,000. So you are talking about a class sports stadium times 20. That gives you about 1.6 million. I think you get it. So if you put that figure in that perspective, you know that the 1.7 million people is very, very high. Another thing that will make you uh, appreciate the 1.7 million is that if you have about 500,000 people sitting for uh, SSD, uh last year. So you are talking about three times that number. And that shows that the figure is higher than what is expected. So for me, the 1.7 million then is supposed to be an alarming thing for you. So it is not small. And even if you look at the definition of unemployment, if we had restricted the definition to what the developed world use, that is, uh, the person is jobless, available for work, and also looking for work, the figure would have been lower than that. And if you go into the data, you see that it would have been just around 800 or 700,000. So the figure that you have there is very accurate and it can guide policymakers in trying to address the issue of unemployment. Okay, so this 1.7 then, does it mean these people are unemployed at all or they are employed but it is not meaningful? These people are those who are jobless. They don't have any job. And indeed, they are available for work. And if you provide them with jobs, they are willing to take it. And these are the 1.7 million people we are talking about. Okay. What about vulnerable employees? What does that mean? So vulnerable employment are those who are engaged in some kind of employment that does not uh, help them to sustain or to be able to withstand any shock. If you take the total number of employment we have in Ghana, many people think that employment is supposed to be somebody uh, paying you for working for a person like you and I. But there are so many people who are working, they have tabletop things and just selling oranges, coffee brookman, and so on. These people, if there's any shock to them or to their household, it becomes very difficult for them, for them to withstand that shock because it is about hand to mouth. So those kind of jobs are known as vulnerable unemployment. So in the calculation, we are talking about those who are in what we call own account work or self-employed without employees. These are the small, small, small kind of activities, whether in the agricultural sector, whether it is in the industrial sector, whether it's in the service sector. These are the people we are talking about. Plus a certain number of people who are who we call contributive public workers. These people are not paid, but because they are engaged in family activity, they help the family business to be able to get something for the family. So they are considered as employed. That kind of kind of employment is not sustainable. It's not something that can give you income uh, to be able to withstand shock. So in the ILO's own definition, they consider their own account class contributing family worker combination to be those who are in vulnerable employment. In other words, the kind of employment that does not give you a reward which is sustainable and regular. Now, this 1.7 we are talking about, is that an improvement of what we used to be or things are getting bad? How is the statistics looking like? 
So if you look at the figures that the government association uh, gave out, it, it talks about unemployment rate in the first quarter of last year at 13.4, which was not different from the unemployment rate we got from the population census, which was 13.4 in 2021. And this figure, uh, I think it increased to 13.9 in the second quarter. And in the third quarter, it came down to 13.7. If the figure that he gave out is what I have also given out, then it means that from the first quarter to the second quarter to the third quarter, the net effect is that the situation worsened marginally. So worsen means we are having more people unemployed. Yes. So if you look at the, the, the actual number of figures, number that were unemployed in the first quarter, if I recollect very well, I think it was within the range of 1.5 million. And I think the second quarter, which I gave you, I think 13.9, was somewhere within the 1.8 or 1.9 million. And then it came to 1.7 million. So the net effect then gives you the fact that we moved from about 1.5 to 1.7. And in his presentation, he told you and he gave you the transition, which is very, very important. Where people are moving from unemployment to employment, people are moving from employment to unemployment, even within employment, people are also moving from one sector to the other. And even within the labor force, people may move from unemployed to inactivity. Inactivity means that somebody could be unemployed and he cannot withstand the effect. And therefore, he takes up uh, training. And therefore, he goes to school full-time. That person has moved from unemployment to inactivity. So almost all the time, people are moving from one of the segments to the other. But we talk about the stock at a point in time. What have governments over the years been getting wrong? Because uh, employment has always been on the agenda. In fact, the MPP's agenda uh, uh, manifesto for 2016 was titled An Agenda for Jobs. Why are we not getting the job issues sorted out as governments over the period? What are they getting wrong and what can they do to fix this trend? Okay, so let me start by saying that there's no country in the world where you will not have unemployment. So depending on the country, we have something we call the natural rate of unemployment. That is the unemployment where that economy is at full employment. At a point in time, people are moving in and out and so on. But if you have 13.4 or 13.7% unemployment rate, it becomes high. Now, the reason is that as a country, we have not sat down to look at the cause and the causes of unemployment. It is even recent that government, that grant has service has upped their game so high and providing very good and accurate data on unemployment to, to, to be able to uh, 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 inform policy. Now, to be able to solve unemployment problem, you need to look at it from the demand side and the supply side. On the supply side, I think we are doing well in terms of education. Many people are going to school. However, there are issues that government needs to look at. People are getting out of school so early that the labor market is not prepared for them. I am one person who has said that everywhere, anytime, I will cherish free education and free education for people who cannot afford. So the point is that we can get many people into school, but we need to also prepare the labor market for them so that when they come out, they will be able to get something to do. If we are not able to do that and then we get them into school and we are not able to prepare the labor market to absorb them, we will have that kind of problem. And how do we prepare the labor market? There should be policies that will also get the demand side to work. The demand side to be able to create the employment opportunities for people. Many a time we think that if government says that the, the agenda is to create employment, it means that it's the government that has to employ. I beg to differ. Yes, government has a role in terms of employing people, employing people into the security services, employing people into education service, the health service. But that is supposed to be limited. Government's duty is supposed to create the enabling environment for the private sector to take employment creation as their main activity. So if government does that, then it means that we are going to up the wage bill and government will not be able to do that. But government is able to create 
that enabling environment and City FM is able to employ more people. If private universities, if you have health uh, sector, we have private, we have all the sectors, the private sector can then take advantage of that. Then we are going to reduce the unemployment rate to uh, the, the barest uh, minimum. Thank you so much for, for, for the input and analysis, Prof. Thank you. We are, we are grateful that you spoke to us. Thank you. That's Professor Bob Walton. He's with the University of Ghana Economics Department, a professor of economics. Let's speak now to government in charge of policy. Bright Rekubrobe is member of no, is Deputy Minister for Labour and Employment. Honorable Minister, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, my brother. How do you um, analyze or interpret what the government statistician has said vis-a-vis uh, -vis the work you've been doing as government? Well, let me extend my warm regards to uh, Prof. Babwat. It's been long. Prof, it's been long I, I, I saw you, and uh, I'm glad on this subject matter you are being engaged to throw more light for the uh, listening public to digest. Unfortunately, I, unfortunately, I've dispatched him. He's not on the air, but he's listening to us. I'm sure, I'm sure Prof will listen. My very good friend. And also, warm greetings to your cherished listeners. Uh, today, we, we, we joined the Ghana Statistical Service to launch the uh, third quarter report of the Labor Force Survey. And interesting, a lot of insight was provided. For government, this is what we expect. Uh, once the report has been launched and received, you know, we will now digest it. And government's biggest responsibility will then be to look at it and then look at policy options that will benefit the masses and the general public to reduce unemployment and to see how best uh, we can make people very happy by way of getting jobs to do and so on. So the report received, we are grateful, and that is what will happen. Government will, from now on, look at it and, as always, come up with policy options in the best interest of Madagascar. So the government statistician, and for that matter, the statistical service over the years has been giving us data, so we have an idea how things have been looking. I've just asked Professor Babwat in there whether the 1.7 million figure means we are doing well or we are not doing well. He says it does not look like we are doing well with the employment staff. Where are we getting it wrong? And as government, how can you do it? Considering that you have been a government that has campaigned for, for, for jobs for, for this country, it means that that campaign is failing, isn't it? No, that's okay. Today, there was an interesting remark that we made by the government statistician. One, he cautioned that we must not look at these uh, reports when they come. And only two things happen, unemployment, employment rate. No. Today, we looked at other factors. Uh, um, mobility, uh, we looked at income, income security. We looked at many, many factors. You know that any time such reports are turned out, people just, 1.76 million people are unemployed. No. Today, in my remarks, for example, I cautioned that we also must look at the narrative. We have a country that has over 80% of our workforce in the informal sector. And this is what has raised you and I. Umaru, this is what has raised you and I. Our parents come, they, they do these jobs and they take us to school. We come out of school and all we want to see that we are in tie and that that is the, the definition of employment. No. A lot is happening in the informal sector. So for me, these are the things where the narrative around jobs. And today in my remarks, I question, I schooled abroad. When you are going to work, is, are you going to work? Have you closed from work? Ghana here, people want to know the job that you are doing. In Akan, there's a palace that we say, but here in our part of the world, we don't even see what we do as jobs. 
And this is the problem. At the end of the day, we have the, the report said that 11 million people are employed. Did that come out? Yes. 11 million people are employed. Yes, it did. But, no, there, but, there, are, but there are people in vulnerable employment, as has been explained by the statistician. Of course, that is expected. Clarify further, yeah. That is expected. But come back to look at the interventions government is making through the, uh, uh, the GE, Ghana uh, Enterprise Agency. A lot of jobs are being created in the informal sector. If you come to my ministry, the job creating institutions, look at cooperatives. If you go to the agrarian sector, a lot is happening there. People are being mobilized. Beyond even the jobs they do there, they come together, they try to raise funds on their own. They do a lot of things there. Put that aside. Then come to other, uh, look, the youth employment agency, looking at all kinds of uh, jobs that we take for the youth. So it is not lost at all. And we, we, must, not, we must get it. This is how it is. So this report comes in to give us another perspective. And I am glad the government's decision even said that the insight, the questions that people have raised will be taken into consideration in subsequent surveys. So these things come, the report comes to us, we digest them, and we are able to improve upon the existing ones that we have received. So these are things that we must look at. The, the picture is not that bad. I mean, when people say, uh, on every time, Ghanaians, we try to make ends meet. And whatever it is, to be honest with you, we are doing the best. And this government in particular, the kind of things, interventions that we have introduced and ensuring that everybody, at the end of the day, will have meals. You know? So these are things that uh, we must not lose sight of. And then, Let's not take the report, 1.7 says people are not working. And, and No, 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 no. I, I will not go for that. Because when we take employment, when we take the jobs, as defined in the book that was launched today, you will see that 11 million people, 11 million, in Ghana, out of the 30 million, we have a workforce close to 12 million. 11 million people are working. And that is positive. Well, we keep uh, praying for more positives. But thank you so much for speaking to us, Honorable. My brother, I'm good. That's Honorable Deputy Minister of Employment and Labor Relations, uh, Bright Reku Brobedi, Sirenes News on 97.3 CTF. And we'll come back, we'll talk about uh, fund management uh, customers who say their monies have not been paid to them by government uh, since it dissolved the company known as um, Black Shield Capital Limited. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3. Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973. And Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973. With the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. Aggrieved customers of collapsed Gold Coast Fund Management Company today returned to the Securities and Exchange Commission for day two of Pickerton to demand the payment of their locked-up funds. The financial institution, under the name Black Shield Capital Limited, had about 55,000 customers whose funds were locked up shortly before their regulator revoked its license. Addressing the media on the day of the Pickerton, the convener of the aggrieved customers, Charles Nyame alleged that the finance minister, Kenufu Riata, and Reverend Ugbami Tete, Ugbami Tete of the Securities and Exchange Commission have deliberately withheld the funds. Yesterday we were here and we were expecting to hear something good from the government after yesterday's picketing. But up to now, we haven't received any official information or message from the government either the Securities and Nation Commission nor the Ministry of Finance. But there is a new development. Yesterday, after the picketing, we had a call from a key member from the government trying to console us and giving us key information. And this man 
told us that the monies have been released just as the president said that the monies have been paid. Truly, the president knew what he was talking about. But the money is between Ken Oferiata, the finance minister, and Ogba Amitete, the Screens and Asian Commission Director General. These are the people massaging our monies and dragging their fees to release the money. And we are using this opportunity to call on Reverend Ogba Amitete. He's a pastor. We are calling on Ken Oferiata. We want him to understand that we have a personal scores to settle with them. We the customers of Gold Coast Fund Management. Because for over five years now, if our monies have been released to you and you are just keeping the money for people to die, then we have a personal score to settle with him. Yes. We want him to come out as soon as possible to respond to this. Now the, now the whole case has been given to the police and they, uh, they started their investigation. Charles Nyame's convener of the aggrieved customers of collapsed Gold Coast Fund Management Company. Now, the Ghana Journalists Association has lamented the country's drop in the 2023 global ranking on press freedom. Ghana's press freedom ranking dropped from 60th to the 62nd position out of 180 countries. The association revealed this at the commemoration of the 2023 World Press Freedom Day in Accra, which is under the theme Shaping a Future of Rights, Freedom of Expression as a Driver for All Other Human Rights. Speaking at the ceremony, the GJ President Alf, Albert Jumfo said his administration will soon begin the See Something, Say Something initiative. The GJ, along with Media Foundation of West Africa, Giba and Prepac, recently asked the government to amend certain provisions of the Electronic Communications Act and the Criminal Code, specifically Section 208 of the Criminal and Other Offenses Act 1960 at 29. As critical stakeholders in the media industry, we cannot remain unconcerned as these laws are used to arrest citizens and journalists and prefer criminal charges over several remedies for press and speech offenses that are merely defamatory. The arbitrary application of these laws only serves to instill fear in the general populace. One of our colleagues, Noah Nati Dami of Radio Ada, was recently detained for seven days on false publication charges due to these bad laws. And this has affected our 2023 WordPress Freedom Index our ranking on 2023 WordPress Freedom Index. Ghana has moved from 60 to 62. Ghana has moved from 60 to 62. Let's take notes. Two backwards. As the umbrella body of journalists in this country, Madam Chairperson, we will continue to ensure that any action or law that seeks to stifle free expression fails. Madam Chairperson, to ensure that free speech is always protected, it is essential that journalists who are the vanguards of free speech receive all the support they require to carry out their duties without hindrance or compromise. That was the president of the Ghana Journalists Association, Albert Jumfo. And you're hearing Akusia Otri present that story for you. My name is Omar Sandam, and this has been Eyewitness News, produced by Beverly London, Wilson Kobner, and Sami Wiafi with technical support from Daniel Squashi and Edwin Kwakofi providing us with the new media side of things. Up next is Netele Nete with the latest in the world of business. And then there'll be no point blank because we have a game tonight that we are bringing to you. It's a commentary between Man City and West Ham United. God did wonders for me last night by delivering my prayer and ensuring Chelsea was defeated beautifully. Uh, tonight, Man City, West Ham... I want Man City to lose, even though I don't see that happening. But that will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. Good night. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction. Every market movement. And all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News. Powered by citybusinessnews.com. Let's settle for the details now. 
The Ghana Export Promotion Authority, GEPA, has revealed that the country has witnessed a significant 6% increase in its non-traditional export earnings for the year 2022. This growth has been attributed to a combination of structural changes within Ghana's NT ecosystem and the effective implementation of the National Export Development Strategy. Here's the CEO of GEPA, Dr. Ifua Asabiasari, highlighting the factors driving this impressive growth. Happy to say for 2022 is 3.5 billion, a little over 3.5 billion. And um, this is to say that we grew by 6% um, for 2022. Percentage growth of the NTEs is what is broken down there. You see, NTEs contributed to the total merchandise of exports. So, Non-traditional exports basically is anything that is made in Ghana with value addition. And that is um, what we take care of at the Ghana Export Promotion Authority. And it contributed 20.22% to the total merchandise uh, export of Ghana, which we include oil and gold and um, raw cocoa, which we don't have any mandate over. The, the number one um, export earner, the non-traditional export earner, is cocoa paste. Value has been added to it from cocoa to become paste. So it sits, it sits with GEPA. And this is the number one um, export earner, which contributed over 500 million to the NTE statistics. Burkina Faso is our number one in Africa, the largest non-traditional export destination is Burkina Faso. That was the CEO of the Ghana Exports Promotion Authority, Dr. Ifwa Asabia Asari. Economist Karij Buti has highlighted areas governments should focus on to strengthen and safeguard the country's economic growth. This comes on the back of a prediction by the Economist Intelligence Unit that Ghana's economy is expected to experience a significant slowdown in 2023. According to the report, Ghana's economy will, slowly, will slow significantly in 2023 with a projected expansion of 1.3%. The report also suggests that rising prices and monetary tightening will weigh on private consumption investments, leading to reduced government spending. He's been reacting to developments and interaction with City Business News. The idea of the reforms is to build back the fiscals, um, bring back macro stability, which will be the springboard to attract the needed investment into the uh, productive sectors of the economy, really. Now, uh, it's up to us as an economy now to uphold and to enforce those reforms strictly to ensure that we can maximize the gains out of it. The banks, some might go through recapitalization, others would be fine just the way they are. It would take maybe the next two coupon payments in August and February to determine whether these banks write back these impairments really. And so between now and then, the credit stands, I believe, will be a bit cautious. But if the coupon payments are suspected, maybe between August and February will come through without any defaults and issues really, then you may begin to see things gradually return to normalcy really. So it has to do with the extent to which we enforce the reforms that are, are, are being proposed and how those prove corrective enough for the imbalances. That will be the springboard for us to start investing in growth enhancing uh, projects and stuff like that. In the meantime, it will be caution, a caution from all angles. He also noted that Ghana's quest to secure the $3 billion support from the IMF now hinges on Ghana's bilateral and external partners. Government is expecting to secure the $3 billion bill with the IMF in March, but Finance Minister Ken Furiata last month revealed that Ghana is likely to receive the IMF's board approval for the $3 billion bailouts by the close of May 2023. This has raised suspicions among some critics. Courage Boti has been speaking to City Business News. Well, it's still up in the air, and by way of deadlines, I think we've had a number already, um, including the quarter one deadline that passed, really. It, it just tells us it's not in our hands. It's, it's, we've done what we should do domestically with the tax bills, we've passed them, DDP, we've, passed, we've completed that. The many other internal actions from the side of government, the ones that need Ghanaian cooperation, we have done those. But... The financing assurance is not in our hands. 
as with these Pari Club members and bilateral creditors in general to look at and consider and approve. And so based on how they see it and how they want to progress with it, it could go beyond me or it could be me. I can't say for certain where it is, except that it appears we've made quite some significant progress in the process. And so we might be looking forward to the committees or the official creditor committee's next meeting for what they could come up with. Hopefully it turns out to be a memorandum giving us financing assurance. Uh, but that is all I can see. A lot of it is out of our hands at this point in time. Economist Courage Booty speaking there. The Mobile Money Agents Network says it will soon commence charging fees for some free service rendered to customers. This follows a threat to embark on an industrial action over the delay in the payment of their monthly commissions by telecommunication networks in the country. The group says the arrears, some of which have been delayed for months, is affecting the operations. Speaking to City Business News, the General Secretary of the Mobile Money Agents Association of Ghana, Evans Utumfo, said if stakeholders do not address their concerns by April 10, they will initiate the charges. We expect a massive industrial action because agents are not really happy. And if no one, including the telcos, are not willing to up, um, to take the responsibility by ensuring that we, we are fairly treated or taken care of, then our signal is that consumers, once they still want to access our services, then they should be willing and ready to pay or to assess our services at a fee or at a cost, which costs within the seven days we should be able to come out if nothing is really said about it. Every service that is rendered at the move agent uh, point, which currently it is done at zero fee or at no cost, henceforth, those services are going to be assessed at a fee, which includes depositing, cashing, and then um, cash out. Any service at all that currently the consumer assesses at a free cost at the agent point, I mean, but it's not going to be so. So if it is money that you are depositing your wallet, we will have to apply a fee to it. Evans Utumfo is the General Secretary of the Mobile Money Agents Association of Ghana. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News. It was powered by your most comprehensive business website, citybusinessnews.com. My name is Neti Ajaho. Have a good evening. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.